0: You are tuned in to WTBS, the voice of the internet, all streaming, all the time. In the news this week, the man the newspapers have named, The Streamer. Reportedly, he makes every one of his victims sit down and watch an obscure movie he's found online. I guess you could say he has Final Cut, right folks? I know everyone out there is itching to talk about what this killer hopes to achieve, what his message might be, and what we can do about our fair city in panic. But before I get to your calls, I'm gonna spin a little wax with a classic tune straight out of the vaults by Kevin McLeod. That's right, it's time for Baba Yaga. It's 1013, and you're listening to The Bloodstream. <laughs> Welcome back, streamers! This is the much-anticipated episode 13 of the Bloodstream, and I'm your host, Jason Gray. On this show, I like to take a look at obscure movies I find streaming online, give you a rundown on what's going on, and then give you my final thoughts. If you were listening to me just then, you heard me say this is episode 13. The number 13 has always been special to me, since sometime in high school. Now, a lot of people will assume, oh, his name, Jason. Of course, he likes the number 13 because of the Friday the 13th movies. That's not actually true. Although I did like to play that up in school sometimes by keeping a cheap hockey mask in my locker on Friday the 13th. just to screw with people. But here's the thing. I never saw a Friday the 13th movie until Jason X. And after that, I never saw another one until the original when I watched it a couple years ago. To be honest, I started with it as being a bit of an iconoclast. Everyone hated the number 13, you know, it's bad luck. Today's Friday the 13th as I'm sitting here recording this. And I'm like, no, I'm going to take the number everyone hates and I'm going to hug it close to me and it's going to be my number. No one else wants it? Well, I do. The Jason thing was just a bonus. And the more I used the number, the more it felt more like mine, and the more good things seemed to happen to me on Friday the 13th. So while most people are considered... Triskaidekaphobic, having fear of the number 13, I always said I was a Triscadecophile, which is what led into calling my horror review website Triscadecophiles, and when I started working on The Bloodstream, I kind of sat down and went, well, I'm going to have an episode 13 sooner or later, if I keep this going. When is that going to land, and what movie could I possibly review for it? And I did the math, and with a little bit of the delays, I could fudge it and end up having the episode land on October 13th which is also coincidentally the 8th anniversary this year of Triska Decafiles. Not only that, it would be a Friday the 13th, so I had to make that work. So of course the universe conspired against me, things got delayed, and... I'm sitting here literally on Friday the 13th recording the very episode I wanted to have released now. It should be coming out on Saturday the 14th, which is another movie entirely. Close enough, plus it gives Triska Decafiles it a chance to shine on its 8th birthday. I don't like releasing both of my things at the same time. Which only leaves one last question. What's the movie today? Now, I said I was going to be doing a month of Halloween-titled movies, with the one exception of today. And that's because this week's movie is called Thirteen. If you didn't see that coming, you haven't been paying attention. Of course, Thirteen is not the only name of this title. It's more commonly known as City in Panic. And by commonly known, I mean there's, like, three other people who have ever heard of this movie. When I stumbled upon Thirteen, I tried to find information on it, and good luck Googling Thirteen Movie. You know what you're gonna get? Friday the 13th. Every single one of them. It was only by sheer luck that I discovered the other title of this movie, and once I had City in Panic, it was a whole lot easier to find. But still, I'm going to call it Thirteen, because this is me. The movie is a bit of a con- exploitation movie, which is a a great word I discovered a few years ago, mostly thanks to the website Canuxploitation.com. Check them out, I've gotten a lot of views from that website. City in Panic is actually from the 80s, so it kinda doesn't fit the mold of what I normally look for of the Bloodstream, but it was streaming, it's obscure, good enough for me. It's about a serial killer in Toronto, which is nice for a change where Toronto is being used as Toronto, and the attempts by a radio DJ to calm the public while also trying to figure out what's going on, with the help of some cops in the background. Being such an obscure movie, once again, I don't have a trailer, and I am just going to cut right to the first clip, as it's the talk radio host, Dave, talking about the serial killer, M. And before I forget, I'm just going to drop in here, the most connection this movie has to the number 13 is the serial killer being called M. Why have had a connection to 13? Because M is the thirteenth letter of the alphabet.
1: This city will never be quite the same. It's strange how you think you know a city, its people, even yourself. And then someone like M comes along. <laughs> that all changes. I'm not sure where it started for me. But for others, it began Saturday, day three. And I'm just as concerned as you, but the topic tonight is, should we have gun control? Let me get to my next caller. Speak up. You're on the air.
2: Hi, Dave. I really like your show tonight. I've been listening to you for over three years. (sighs) God, what am I doing here? But Dave, if it's late at night and I'm in, say, a deserted subway station, and I'm attacked by a mother or a rapist,
0: what else am I supposed to do? How can I defend myself without a gun?
1: Susan, where does it stop? If guns were so easily accessible, then the mugger or rapist would also have a gun. And it's been shown that the percentage of murders increase with the availability of firearms. And what would be worse, being dead or being mugged?
0: Hey, look at that. It's a timely message time. Yeah, we've got a that gun debate still going on today, isn't it? I'm not going to even touch that subject, so I'm just going to keep on moving on. Dave handily sets up the plot with the serial killer on the loose, gives us the feel of the city in panic, haha <laughs> it's a title, and of course the question on everyone's mind is what are we going to do about this? Some people's solution is armed response, and that's probably not the way you want to go with it because someone's going to die accidentally. Not somewhere this movie goes, but it's something to think about. Cut in with the phone call is a scene of a guy taking a shower, and it's very Psycho-esque as the killer M creeps up, stabs him in the shower, and when I say Psycho-esque, I mean it. This is just short of being a shot-for-shot remake of the classic shower scene in Psycho. Like every major shot from that scene is lifted right down to the blood going down the drain. The only major difference here is the killer carves a giant M in the victim's back, which is naturally how the press starts calling the killer M. After the killing, we catch back up with Dave as he's coming into the studio later for his next show, and the movie is trying to be artsy, because while it's filming Dave, the camera slowly moves back and forth, keeping him in the center, giving you that swaying feeling. And if that wasn't bad enough, then it cuts to the secretary and does the same thing, going back and forth. And I'm just like, I didn't get seasick during Blair Witch, but this movie is gonna make me sick. Go to a clip. Uh, have you but seen Mr. this?
2: Not have you read Alex Francis'
1: Son of a bitch has a news column. No, to I'm not sure what he'll journalist. be in.
2: Janice at the bank? <laughs> sure, I'll have him call you as soon as he steps in. <laughs> Fine. Goodbye.
1: Have you read this? Have you read Ramsey's column?
2: Yes, he doesn't mention Inspector Barry McKee.
1: No, but Barry's handling the case, and this hurts more than it helps. What does Ramsey know about solving murders?
2: <laughs> Probably nothing. All he knows about is selling newspapers. Right,
1: and Ramsey talks about the public good? Oh, oh, by the way, this is for you.
2: Oh, wait, Dave, I haven't shown you how much you owe the government.
1: The is the same area, where an earthquake measuring... They're going to have to wait in line. But, you won't.
2: Oh, hold on, Dave, I'm your assistant.
1: Assisting me doesn't include doing my tax return. What about my ratings, how are they?
2: Well, you know, Garrett wanted to see you. <laughs> it's alright, Dave, He left a while ago.
0: After that, we cut to a hip club featuring all-male dancers, and one of them is named He-Man. No, 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 not that He-Man. Anyways, the killer turns up and chases down He-Man after he leaves the club. (laughs) (laughs) Look, if this movie is going to feature a stripper that's going to die and his name is He-Man, I am gonna ride that joke train all the way to Punchline Station. M runs down He-Man with his car, then gets out to stab him a bit just to make sure he's dead. And oh joy, we get more artsy shots. They do the usual raise the knife to the camera bit to get a bit of the glint from the light, which every stabby movie does. Then we watch as the shadow of the knife plays across the ceiling of the warehouse or whatever they're in, and the camera spins around while that's going on. It and uh, uh, excuse me.
1: Now I began to accept what the city had on its hands—a serial killer—and we all took notice. Pressure was put on everyone to end it as quickly as possible. Every available officer and all emergency personnel were put on a 24-hour alert. For my part, I wanted to reassure listeners rather than cause undue panic. That's Monday, day five.
2: All new, all the time. It's 10 o'clock. Time for your voice of the city, Dave Miller.
1: Good evening, and welcome to Speak Up. For the next two hours, I invite you to air your views and to take issue with mine. So let's heat up these lines. Well, I've just read Mr. Alex Ramsey's column in the Evening Herald. How he has the gall to write such hysterical nonsense is beyond me. Fear to feed the city in his own pocketbook is the way I see it. As usual, Ramsey never really takes a stand. One moment he says the police should tell us everything they know which means they tell M. And then two lines later, he writes, the police should do anything they want to capture him. Well, the police simply cannot do both.
0: But it's finally time to bring the cops into this as they start trying to figure out what's going on, and one of them is super angry and homophobic. Oh, lovely. He's probably supposed to be a red herring for M, but naturally, if you watch enough of these movies, you know the guy they want you to think is never the killer. While Dave's busily doing his show, we see the newspaper reporter Alex, that has been mentioned a few times, tuning in to watch it, and, oh my god. Okay, there's this running joke about 80s movies. It's largely due to one of the Rocky movies, and it was bolstered by How I Met Your Mother, and it became a running joke from there, about how every 80s movie would have to have a friendly helper robot. This never happened. There was very little basis in movie reality that I could see, And then this movie comes along, thirty years after it was made, and what do I see? A tiny robot being driven around to grab a dart off the wall that Dave threw at it. This doesn't happen. No one did this in the 80s. There wasn't actually a lot of 80s movies where robots were running around. Terminator does not count. You know that's not what I mean. But here's 13. With an actual helper robot, you have to have a robot in the movie. But here's the thing. It's a Canadian movie. Was it just a Canadian thing that they picked up on after Rocky and I've never seen a single one of those movies? I'm getting way too distracted by all this, so I'm going to refocus and play another clip of Dave taking a call.
1: (laughs) All right, I've shot my mouth off long enough. Let's hear what you have to say. Speak up, you're on the air.
2: I vote yes for Alex Ramsey. I think he's required reading.
1: Oh sure, he's required reading all right. If you want to find out how irresponsible some journalists can be.
2: I Don't know about issues. All I know is Ramsey makes sense to me.
1: Is that really all you know? Thank you for your call madam Am I the only one left with some sanity? I hope not that woman was right about one point It is time to stand up and be counted bullshit has no conscience Speak up you're on the air. Hey, Dave You gotta admit that Ramsey is a good writer, and good writers do sell newspapers. Well, sure, he sells newspapers, but I'm concerned with how he sells them. Are you advocating censorship? I always thought that you supported the uh, rights of the individual. I do, but you didn't listen to me. Those rights bring with them a duty. Ramsey has a responsibility to the public. (laughs) What public? The public are a bunch of morons. I do not agree with that statement. They listen to you don't they thank you and good night
2: have you seen our streets after dark we're almost deserted the police have got to do anything it takes to capture him they've got to capture him they've got to take matters into their own hands
1: lady they're turning the city upside down what more do you want since when does any police force track a killer like this instantaneously
2: they should tell us all they know they should tell who's safe Last night's body was found three blocks from where I live. Is it any wonder I'm petrified? I'm a prisoner in my own home. Just wait until M gets that close to you. You'll soon change your tomb.
1: If it's any consolation, I've got more to worry about than you. Three to four of M's victims have been men. If it means anything.
2: What's to say the next one won't be another woman?
1: I don't know. Only M can answer that. I'm just giving you my opinion.
2: And you criticize Ramsey for getting right, his... but the
1: difference is I'm trying to be responsible about how I express it. I don't know, perhaps, uh, if we could hear an expert, a psychiatrist or something. I don't want an
2: expert. I want M off the streets.
1: An expert might be able to fill in some of the blanks. For example, what does the M stand for?
2: Monster. That's what it stands for. M is for monster.
1: Thank you for calling in. Speak up, you're on the air.
3: M should remember that murders against God's law... He should be told to read the Sixth Commandment and that, if he repents, there's still God's
2: mercy and,
3: and, and forgiveness.
1: Are you a man of the cloth?
3: The Lord has
1: called me. And you've called me. Let's put the good book back on the shelf a moment. If you had a chance to talk with him, what would you say to him? I'd have one question. Why? That's exactly what I would say to him. M won't call in.
3: He's in the hands of the devil.
1: Hold on a second, instead of putting words into M's mouth, wouldn't it be more interesting to hear it from him? What would be so enlightening
3: about conversing with the devil? Especially one who is probably as moronic as you!
1: (sighs) Listen, anybody who can elude the largest dragnet in the history of the city is not stupid. In my opinion, M should never be underestimated.
0: We go back to the cops and they muse for a bit how this is kinda like that old Fritz Lang movie, M. Is it possible that the killer might be branding his victim like that movie? Well, yeah. What are the other options? Signing his work? Okay, that could be a thing. Or maybe he just accidentally slips and whoops, pulls a Zorro. Back at the radio station, Dave is finishing up his show before heading to the bar, and I think I'll drop in a clip here of him wrapping that up.
1: I'm sorry, we can't take any more calls tonight. Time has just run out on us. We certainly seem to have hit some raw nerves, some of them mine. Not many of you agreed with me, but then I've always said, you can't stop people from thinking, you can only start them. This is Dave Miller. Have a good night.
0: There's something about that line about not being able to stop people from thinking that I really like. Anyways, at the bar, Davis just kind of wanting to chill and get his mind off work, but in comes the newspaper guy, Alex, and these two have a super huge rivalry. If it hasn't been made clear yet, it will be in later clips. Dave just wanting to chill, wants to ignore this, and he kind of going to his zen place. But Alex just keeps on goading him, poking and prodding, and until Dave smashes his beer bottle on the bar and is about to get into things. Fortunately, the cops run in at Jeff that time to break things up. Alex's assistant Liz, who is also a friend of Dave's, heads home and the driver comes in to kind of chill and watch some TV because there was a program coming on he wanted to catch. So he sits down on the couch and starts watching this in-depth and fear-mongering report on the AIDS epidemic. And you can tell that Liz is just so done listening to all this. We cut to the bartender and the killer is not very far behind him to do his work. And the movie gets into more artsy killing as most of this murder is seen from the victim's perspective and it's filmed upside down because he's hanging from one of those gravity boot things. Dave gets a call from Detective McKee to let him know about the death of his friend and alcohol supplier, and we find out that Dave has a plan in the next clip.
1: Yeah?
4: Hi Dave. Barry, I'm glad you called. I want to speak to you for a minute.
1: Listen, I don't know if it'll work, but what if I try and get the killer to call in on the
4: show? Dave, Thomas is dead.
1: I I can't believe it, I was just talking to him at Pete's bar.
4: We found him murdered in the exercise room in his apartment. It's M. Oh God, why him? Listen, I know how you feel, Dave. I've got to go. We'll work out the logistics on how to get Em to call in later. Bye. How do you take it? <laughs> he wants to help. Wouldn't it be nice? To put the tap on, M-phones in. pick them up, case closed. Yeah, just like in the movies. Somehow I don't think it's gonna be that easy. I don't like what we're getting Dave into. I hope it works.
0: Excuse me, they discussed none of that on the call. McKee completely made it up on his own. We get back to Dave's radio show where he's interviewing a psychologist and the movie starts to do more of that artsy sway back and forth going around the table focusing on whoever is talking and- Oh god, not again.
1: <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Speak Up. My guest tonight is the eminent psychologist and criminologist, Dr. Charles Farthing. But before I speak with Dr. Farthing, I'd like to say this. Somewhere in our city there's a killer. And I asked that person, who's been called M, to phone this program. If you're out there listening, M, call. I'm ready to talk. Now, Doctor, welcome to speak up. Thank you, I'm very pleased to be here. Could you draw a psychological profile of M for us,
3: something that might shed some light on this nightmare? First, we should refrain from making snap judgments about anyone, especially M. Now, accepting that, what can we say about him? He may be a psychopath. In other words, he's extremely disturbed emotionally and has an inadequately developed conscience. Or he may be paranoid, which means he has a persecution complex. Or he may be schizophrenic. What does that mean? The schizophrenic psyche... Did I miss knows much? What he's nothing doing th- is socially nothing about you, yes. But it still wants to do it, for whatever reason. No, he, he splits that part of himself away and pretends he's someone else. That way it overrides his normal superego or conscience. Now, that's a bit of a simplistic analysis, but it'll do. If M is schizophrenic, then he may believe he's being instructed to commit these crimes by God or some supernatural power. Well, one of our listeners has said that M is possessed by the devil. Right. Well, your listeners M may think he hears the devil or God or something else, but it's really a part of his own mind. Oh, by the way, I listened to your program uh, last night, and uh, I must say I agreed with everything you said. Yellow journalism, which evokes hysteria like Alex Ramsey's column, it can only make matters worse. I was beginning to think I was in a minority of one. Far from it, you showed a voice of restraint and uh, responsibility to the issue. <laughs> I hope Mr. Ramsey's listening.
1: Oh, I am, dear boy. Back in, back to Every time no, you have, uh, open, no open your mouth, the
3: I get be. a new reader. The killer is engraved as victims with the initial M. Could you tell us what that means? It's too soon to hazard a guess, but the M is obviously some kind of signature.
0: Where did Mary no God, idiot, from? Up from?
3: Most of M's victims have been homosexual. That may just be coincidence. What about
1: women? Um, all but one of M's victims have been male. How much do women have to fear?
3: If anyone, male or female, Why physically it or even verbally... You all, challenges his Are you
1: implying that if I were to say something against M on this program, then I would represent a threat to him?
3: And my life would be in danger? Well, you certainly can't rule out that possibility. You're certainly not putting much paint on the canvas, Doctor. Well, let's go back to your own point about responsibility. M is a human being, a very disturbed one. And like all human beings, like you, like me, he is a product of our society. But M has gone insane, and that means he's no longer responsible. Obviously, the society that produced him. You, me, all of us. We are responsible for the M's of this world, and for what they do. Well, what are you implying, Doctor? That,
1: that you and I are responsible for these murders?
3: Exactly. And the victims,
1: they're responsible for their own deaths? With the rest of society, yes. Those people are dead because M murdered them. Doctor, you're taking away from M his right to be responsible. M
3: can't be responsible. He's insane.
1: No, Doctor. M will be found guilty because he and nobody else is responsible for what he's done. Insane? That's a mitigating circumstance which only changes his sentence. The fact remains, he is guilty and he's still responsible.
0: They talk a lot about M's psychopathy and they actually do a really good job of it, which is pretty rare for a 1980s movie talking about a serial killer and psychosis. Now, sure, things aren't perfect because back in the 80s, we were either refining our language, our knowledge of the subject, and how to speak about such things with respect and care. I especially like how the doctor is hesitant to make snap judgments about people he's never met, and he urges the people of the city to do the same. And quite frankly, that's something we have to keep in mind whenever we see someone on the news and say things like, oh god that guy's a total sociopath. You can't say that without sitting down and talking about a person and I'm not going to get too deep into that subject. Instead the doctor does give several options of what it could be based on what little he knows and if you're going to talk about it that's the way to do it. Of course then the psychologist veers off into blaming society for the killer and well whatever. You started off good. While all that talk is going on, we keep going to a security guard who we've seen call into the show a few times. He goes about to do his rounds, and the serial killer is not far behind. M follows the security guard into the restroom, and they kinda do that thing where you tap on the floor a couple times to signal, Hey, I'm here for sex, and the security guard pulls down his pants and sticks his little security guard through a hole in the wall, and the killer slashes it off with a knife. Meanwhile, Alex heads to the bar, is listening to the radio show and decides to call in and mess with Dave as he likes to do. While that conversation is going on, we see Alex's driver go off to make a phone call and dials the radio station and he claims to be the killer M. And if you're thinking that's a little sudden and maybe this is a fake out, here's a spoiler. You're right, he is not really M. But we'll circle back around to that later. It's a decent enough fake out. Why am I still whispering? And if you got the supposed M calling into the radio station, how do I not clip that phone call, right?
1: Speak up. You're on the air.
4: You want to talk to
1: me? If you're M,
4: yes. I'm the one they call, M. Can you prove it? The police have my calling card at the Shamrock Shopping Center.
1: There's something wrong with this line. Can you repeat that? Speak up. I can't hear you.
4: I am protecting the city. From what? You will find out.
1: Will you speak up? I can hardly understand you. M?
2: M?
0: Did you get him? But yeah, the big clue that the driver isn't the killer is the time frame doesn't match up. We've seen him doing stuff while someone else is getting killed. But he is a decent enough red herring that they set up with his fear of AIDS with the TV show earlier. The next day, Dave and the detective have a meeting to talk about using Dave as bait, and the AIDS topic comes up in discussion again about how that might be a motivation for the killer, and I'm really not sure how I feel about that. Largely because it's just quickly glossed over and used as a cheap plot point explanation, But they don't really demonize it. The movie doesn't take the position that homosexuals are evil and AIDS is a curse or anything like that. It's just being presented as a thing and the killer is using it as possibly an explanation for how they're picking their targets. And the movie makes it really clear that homophobia and this fear of AIDS is very wrong. So I'm really of two minds of the whole subject. It's uncomfortable but they also could have presented it a whole lot worse than what they did. While the cops chase down leads, M decides to go and strike again, and this time he kills Alex Ramsey. He doesn't really fit the profile, but because of all the nasty things he says about M, it's not really surprising. The police go to talk to a doctor, who says he has some information for them, and it turns out there was a break-in at the office some time ago. He didn't really register it as a break-in because nothing was stolen, there's really nothing to report, but some files were left out, and he gets into the details in the next clip.
4: I walked in as usual. I hung up my jacket
1: as usual. I was going towards my desk when I noticed the files out in the cabinet. Why didn't you report the break-in to the police? I didn't think it was a break-in.
3: Nothing was missing. It only hit me a few hours ago when one of your officers called. The Thomas and Leroy. He-Man were in those files. My AIDS files. My God, I hadn't made the connection.
4: Who else is in the files? Well, here they are. The mail stripper. The bartender, the security guard, Elizabeth Price, that's Alex Ramsey's assistant. Christ, she's next.
0: My AIDS file just sounds so strange. But now we know the connection between all the victims and how the killer is picking who to kill. He literally has a list. The cops also know that Liz is on that list and so they rush to find her and Dave as this movie is rapidly coming to a close. Dave and Liz are meeting up while all this is going on and we get to hear her tragic backstory. During that, Dave thinks he hears something in a warehouse and goes wandering through that and ends up being chased by the killer through this warehouse filled with creepy old mannequins. Because the movie's not creepy enough already. We get a final confrontation, the killer and Dave come face to face, and we get the big reveal in this next clip, which is pieced together from a few different moments just to condense things into one bit.
2: Dave. After the baby died, I was terribly depressed, and then it got worse. I became suicidal.
1: And then I just got angry, and I no longer wanted to kill myself.
2: Yeah, it was too fun-loving. We had just named the baby. My poor
4: baby didn't
2: have a chance. Do you know how he died?
1: He was still born.
2: But why was he still born? He had AIDS. My baby had AIDS. He didn't even have a chance. Bill had AIDS. He didn't die from grief. He died from AIDS. He didn't tell me. he had it. He didn't tell me. He killed my baby, and now he's killed me. And I want to kill him. I still want to kill him, I still want to kill him. It wasn't his fault. It was his fault and now he must pay.
1: Why are you doing this? What did you do to Liz? This is death, Phil. You killed her. Why kill somebody who's already dying? Now
4: it's It's time time to to kill kill
2: you. you. Dave, you're turning the city against me. Liz,
1: how could you kill innocent people? They have AIDS. You can't go around killing people just because they have AIDS.
2: They killed my aunt. Whose aunt? My baby boy, Michael.
1: They didn't kill your baby.
2: It's their fault.
1: You want to go around killing people with AIDS? Go on, start with yourself. Go on, Liz, kill yourself. You have AIDS? Didn't you kill
4: your own baby? No!
0: MY BABY HAD AIDS, And so many other really terrible cringy lines and all that. So, yeah, Liz is the killer. And the driver's calls were all a red herring. And you would think, for someone who's on the radio all the time, and is helping the police out with their investigation, and is clearly a smart person, you would have thought that Dave would have pieced together who M really is, and what Liz's motivation was, way before he even walked into that warehouse, simply because of her backstory which she literally just told him. There should be way less surprise when Liz reveals herself. And it occurred to me while I was gathering clips for this episode, there's one gigantic clue all throughout this movie. A lot of times, possibly every time, I'd have to go back and rewatch the entire movie just to be sure but every time you hear M walking around, it sounds like the clicking of heels on the floor. As she has that freak-out moment where the Vision tells her to kill herself, Dave takes the opportunity of her being distracted to conquer on the head, ending her reign of terror. Dave wraps up the movie with his final thoughts, and I'll be right back with my own.
1: Good evening. Tonight I'd like to talk about the responsibility that we have in learning to understand our fellow man. Elizabeth Price, better known as the serial killer M, died in custody today from AIDS. I hope that she finally is at peace within herself. We know that we all have a responsibility if we're going to survive in this world. AIDS is a terrible disease, but being a vigilante to settle the problems of this world is not the way. We've got laws, we've got our police and our judicial system. Granted, none of it's perfect, but it's a damn sight better than what M came up with.
0: Hug so awkward. I actually ended up liking this movie. I definitely like the end message that Dave delivers, but at the same time, everything is just kinda grimy, not quite handled with the respect it could have been dealt with, even at the time, and using AIDS as little more than a plot point yet really feels icky to me. I actually kinda feel dirty having watched this, but at the same time, I enjoyed myself. I'm in a weird place. How can a movie be so sensitive and so insensitive at the exact same time. But I did genuinely enjoy watching this movie. It's a bit of a slasher-giallo mashup by Way of Canada that somehow works. It's got a lot going for it and uh, a pretty solid story and motivation, It's a decent enough use of the usual slasher tropes, but also has this just really uncomfortable feeling to it. If you like slashers, if you like giallo movies, if you don't mind stuff that's a little bit grimy, maybe a little bit seedy and leaves you feeling kind of and you're looking for something you might not have seen before, check out 13, or M, or City of Panic, or however you can find it. I actually, I did genuinely enjoy this and do recommend seeing it. And so that wraps up the episode, and I'd like to thank you all for listening to 13 episodes of The Bloodstream. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm going to keep doing it, obviously. I'm having a lot of fun with this. If you do enjoy the show, do subscribe on iTunes. Also, leave us a rating and review. It's a big help. We've got a Facebook group, so just search for The Bloodstream, find it there, and join in the fun. The show also has a page on Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. As always, if you've got any suggestions for the show... You can shoot me an email at phoenix, F-O-E-N-I-X, at gmail.com. The music for the show is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. And all this month, I'm using special Halloween-appropriate spooky background music that I found on the Free Music Archive. I have a link back to that, as well as a list of the tracks and artists back on the website. So thanks for listening, stay spooky, and keep streaming. <laughs>